0: Hello and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. Like Micah just said on the announcement video just a minute ago, he said, hey man, be sure and say something about the new 815 service next week. <laughs> That's and I said, oh, you mean the fact that that's where the glory zone, where the, the tunnel, the fire from heaven is going to be flowing into our midst, at least for the first time on a Sunday morning. So uh, uh, so I want to encourage you guys, if you've got flexibility, and uh, a lot, for a lot of us, it's an opportunity to serve one and attend one, if that's something, or if you just have an 11 o'clock tea time or something, this you can pull that off too, I suppose. But uh, we're excited about, uh, about doing this. And... Uh, Kim said, "We need to do a top ten reasons for the eight fifteen. It's uh, Kind of a Letterman thing. Does everybody know who Letterman? I just realized. Wow, you got to stay up with the younger guys, or they. When I, so I haven't been up here in a couple of weeks. So, want to thank Jason for preaching a couple of weeks ago. Killed it. And then Todd Knight preached last week. Killed it. Did a great job. But uh, I... Jason's up here and he's quoting Jed Clampett." or quoting the Beverly Hillbillies song uh, and uh, tell you a little story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed, going through that. And I looked back at uh, Graydon, was just sitting over here beside me, Graydon and Christine, and I said, hey man, do you, do you know? He goes, I got nothing. I don't have a clue, don't even. And I looked at Christine and she goes, nothing. Just, just nothing. just, So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Colossians, Jamie's back up here today. I'm just kidding. Colossians chapter two, verse nine. So good to just—I've been in Colossians all week, last couple weeks—and excited to preach. I came up with a creative title. I'm calling this message "Jesus Christ, the Son of God," and uh, I'll explain why in just a moment. But uh, we'll start with this one little verse here uh, from from Colossians chapter two, verse nine, which says, "For in Him, for." In Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And we're going to unpack a bit of that today. And so, uh, just I want to tell the story leading up to this series just, just briefly. I was in Dubai uh, in the UAE and, uh, and a couple months ago with our team leaders meeting for, for Antioch. And that's where most of our teams are on the other side of the world. And that's why we do the team leader meeting like in Europe or, or over there somewhere. And so, came out of that, you know, Jimmy was just, our, the leader of the Antioch movement was just on fire. He's like, we've got to walk in the apostolic lifestyle that God's called us to walk in as a people. That's who we are. Apostolic lifestyle, apostolic calling, apostolic mission, apostolic purpose, apostolic forgiveness, apostolic suffering, apostolic prayer. And the prayer thing really landed with me. I, just, I came out of there with this phrase, and just for the last two months, pray it in. Pray it in. You want to see something happen in your life? Pray it in. Pray it in. In our church? Pray it in. In your work stuff? In your family? Pray it in. That's, that's a word I believe is for us for 2019. But I, but as I was thinking about starting this whole series being that word, then I realized, wait, wait, I need to back up just a step and we need to start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Pray it in. Live it out in love. And I really feel like that's if you can write that down and remember that for this year, start with Jesus, pray it in, live it out in love. And and that's what this series was going to be was those kind of things. And then this past Wednesday morning I woke up and I just felt like, wait, slow down even more, stretch it out, and just this starting point series, it's not just supposed to be all those things, although I'll weave them in, but the whole thing's supposed to be about Jesus. And I just thought, man, we need to do the whole series on Jesus. And then we'll get to pray it in next, and, and we'll get to live it out in love as we go. But one of the things I, I just that also came out in the last couple of weeks here is each year the movement, Antioch, has a banner phrase that's something that we're kind of rallying to. And this year that word is the time is now. The time is now. And there's an urgency. Back at 2015, the international conference in, up in Colorado, we started getting this word about an open portal over us, a, a time of favor and blessing. And there was an urgency in reaching uh, the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ and, and, and just making the, the number of unreached people groups go to zero. Uh, Jimmy was just uh, also back in, uh, just, uh, I was supposed to be on that trip and then Kim had that accident. We were going to be in California uh, where there was a, a deal called Finishing the Task and and uh they are they just in that one group they've it's down to like 38 unreached people groups in the world and and people are have identified those and there's like we've even been a part of reaching the you know a handful of the ones that were still unreached and now they're reached and and so we want to just continue to see that number go to zero and uh it's exciting it's an exciting time to be alive it's an exciting time for and you know just with regard to a word like the time is now or any kind of urgency, there's not really a downside to pressing into God, to getting things out of our life that don't need to be there, to allowing pruning to happen, to press into God, to go for it with all of our heart, mind, soul, lives, love Jesus, do the mission, be the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God. There's not really a downside to going for it. Except the flesh maybe has got to go a little bit. But come on. I mean this is this is exciting. So here's the main thing I'm trying to say today. Jesus Christ the son of God is the starting point in talking about God. Okay? So this week we're Jesus and God. Next week it's either going to be Jesus and the Bible or Jesus and his people. I haven't decided yet, but one of those and then one of those on the next week and then Jesus and the nations. So Jesus and God, Jesus and the Bible, Jesus and his people, Jesus and the nations. Jesus Christ Is the center of the universe. Jesus Christ is the center of creation. And all things are created in him, by him, for him, through him, and to him. He's not not like peripheral or God just used him in order to get us saved and go to heaven. He's holding all things together by the word of his power. It's just that it's just a mind blowing thing to me. Sometimes I'll get thinking about crea- uh, creation and that fact, and then think about the cross and just Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And, and sometimes I go, wow, how do we not just you know just vaporize and spin out into nothingness? He's holding everything together by the word of his power. It's mind blowing. It's awesome. Who Jesus is and what has happened in him is so vast and huge and mind blowing that it's going to take coming ages to unpack, to unfurl, to digest, to get it, get our minds around it. Todd preached it last week that it's going to take coming ages for us to understand the kindness that God has expressed to us in his grace in Christ Jesus. I feel like I'm kind of, kind of starting to, to preach here today. Jesus is the light of the world and he comes to us in the midst of our groping darkness and he shows us what reality is. He shows us what God's really like and we can't trust our ideas about God. You, you can't. The Pharisees couldn't. You know, uh, no religious person can. We need Jesus to show us what God is really like. He is the truth of all truths, unveiling God. And bringing the triune God together with humanity in His person. He is the mediator between God and men. Isn't this good news? That's how big and great Jesus is. When we say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we are saying Jesus Christ. That Christ means anointed in the Holy Spirit. Son of God means He's the Son who's always been the Son. The Father's always been the Father. There was never a time when the Father wasn't the Father or the Son wasn't the Son. It's, it is it's, it's becoming more high gain. To see the amp kind of turned up a little bit more. It's warm. It's just, wow! He's so awesome. It's incredible. The early church was rocked with this revelation, baptized, immersed, undone, because they had an encounter with the living Christ. I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. They saw the reality of Jesus and who He was, God in the flesh, and they saw His love. They saw His healing. They saw His deliverance. They saw what He came to bring to touch planet Earth, and it blew their minds. They experienced the disappointment of His death. And they walked away from the tomb. All they walked away. They they were disciples, but they walked away because he died. And then they experienced the joy of his resurrection, and everything changed. Don't let anybody pull some little card out from you about some story in the Old Testament or something that happened in in our as if our faiths now rock. We believe in Jesus Christ because he's raised from the dead. It's an event, unshakable. The disciples saw it and then they started laying down their lives. Those who had walked away started laying down their lives because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. They experienced the power of sharing in His life by the Holy Spirit that same life that you can't take it away from me. You can't argue it out of me. I have experienced the living Christ. You could... You know, pull me in two, but Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. He's the living Christ. He's alive in me. And they wrestled with how to express this. They worked on it. Eventually, they came up with the letters, the Gospels, you know, these different ways. And I mean, even before that stuff existed, they were walking as Christians. They were being the church even before the New Testament even existed. Okay, it's because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and was alive. Never to die again. Alpha, Omega, holding it all together. And so then you have these expressions of trying to say what this is about. John writes his gospel. He's the light of the world. In him, everything's been created. He spoke, he he created everything that's been created, and without him, nothing was created that has been created. That kind of covers, if you really think through that statement, it covers it all. That's John. And then Luke comes and basically tells the story of creation and says it's all about Jesus. And then Paul comes on the scene in Ephesians. Anybody like Ephesians? He comes on the scene and says... In Jesus, it's the unsearchable riches of Christ. And He's making all of that visible through His church. He's just unpacking that. It's, an, it's the mystery of God revealed that He's bringing people together. Jew, Gentile, every tribe, language, nation, tongue. Bringing them together in this multifaceted, multi-ethnic body called the church. It's just, whoo! it's incredible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, He says, The same God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has made His light shine in our hearts through the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Christ Jesus. It's that. It's all that wrestling to unpack this. Now, here we go. Let's get to Colossians. That, that's, that was a warm-up for getting to Colossians. We start with Jesus. i got some points here. We start with Jesus because He reveals God to us. Now you see this in Colossians. There's so many different places you could go. I'm quoting some passages already. But here's my assignment for you. This week, read through Colossians a few times. I'll come back. I don't know that every message is going to be from Colossians, but I've been, it's been stirring my soul this, this last couple of weeks. But read through Colossians and say this as you read it. We start with Jesus because... And then just read the, read the letter. We start with, and just keep saying that. We start with Jesus because... We start with Jesus because we start with Jesus because He's given us faith and love for all God's people. We start with Jesus because He's given us now the knowledge of the will of God. We start with Jesus in order to live a life worthy of the Lord. We start with Jesus in order to joyfully give thanks to the Father who's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. We start with Jesus, verse 15 of chapter 1, because He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We start with Jesus because in Him all things have been created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. We start with Jesus because all things have been created through Him. And for him, we start with Jesus because he's before all things and he's head over everything for his body, the church. We start with Jesus because in everything, he's going to have the supremacy. He is Lord. He is king. He is overall. As Paul says it in Ephesians 1, in, in him, everything in heaven and on earth is going to be summed up under his headship and brought to complete unity under him. That's why we start with Jesus. We start with Jesus because God was pleased, verse 20, verse 19, to have all His fullness dwell in Him. Wow. So that's why we start with Jesus. We start with Jesus because through Him, God's reconciling to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. What I'm trying to do here, I'm going to keep going a little more, what I'm trying to do is just stir up our faith Stir up our focus to look at Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We start with Jesus because we were alienated. We were enemies because of our thinking and our minds. But God has brought us together with Him through Christ and His death in order to make us holy and free from blemish and accusation and sin. All that junk and stuff. We start with Jesus because there was a mystery of God that is now out of the bag. It was hidden. Nobody knew what God was like. They were writing things about Him, and they were saying He was saying kill all these people and stuff. But God has revealed Himself more fully in the person of Jesus Christ. And He says, love people, love your enemies. Don't kill them. Don't even be angry with them. Love them. Lay down your life. Look like me. Go to the go to the sacrificial place of loving with a self giving, other centered agape kind of love to reinterpret, redo your mind. Just, you you need a new mind. We need a new mind. We need to be renewed in our thinking. Okay, so just uh, we we start with Jesus because this mystery that's out of the bag, wow, is Christ now in you. Plural, in y'all, in you guys. The hope of glory. The hope of everything being made right. All the things we long for on planet Earth to happen, the glory the way it should be it's christ in you it's jesus christ living shaping our thinking shaping the way we talk and live and our character the way we treat people the way we smile and hug and and love the way we way we run from sin because we love other people so much it just it just changes everything we start with jesus because we want to be encouraged in heart Verse 2 of chapter 2, and united in love and have the full riches of complete understanding in order that we may know the mystery of God. Again, it's something hidden, but now disclosed. The mystery of God. You want to know the mystery of God? Look to Jesus Christ. He is the mystery of God. The One in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You need, you need any wisdom? Need some knowledge? Then we start with Jesus. That's why we start with Jesus. I need it. We all need it. He goes on, he says, I tell you this, we start with Jesus so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And though I'm absent, I'm just i delighting to see how you're pressing in, how firm your faith in Jesus Christ is and how you're rooted and established in Him and you're overflowing with gratitude because of this. We start with Jesus so that no one will take us captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on the 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 principles of the world on human tradition and the elemental uh, spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. We start with Jesus because he's the one in whom are hidden all excuse me, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. I mean, we could just go on. He we start with Jesus because there's something Jesus does in believing in him where he cuts off our old life so that we're free to live in this spiritual circumcision of the new life where we cut away. He cuts away the old. He does a a surgery on us that cuts away the old so that we're empowered to live this new life. We start with Jesus because he set us free. He brought us from death to life when we were dead in sins and the uncircumcision of our flesh. God made us alive. He forgave us our sins Canceled the legal indebtedness which stood against us. And he dis- we start with Jesus because He disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. One more. We start with Jesus because that's where reality is. He is reality. Not special days and religious stuff that we do. Not going through motions or did you fast enough or did you pray enough? Did you honor this day enough or something? The reality, He says, is Jesus Christ. I think it's verse 17. I, I haven't just uh, these these are a shadow, but the reality, however, is found in Christ. Now, again, I just want to challenge. I'm not going to double dog dare, but I, I, I do want to encourage you strongly. Is it okay? No double dog. So if that helps you with love, you know, just to bow up a little bit. Okay, I want to I want to read Colossians like this. We start with Jesus because. Just read through it. And just, it will encourage me, and you guys know I have a big bullseye like the deer, the far side deer, and it's encouragement bullseye. And it will encourage me if you say, I read it, I read through that whole thing, and I kept saying we start with Jesus because, and I saw some stuff that even you didn't see. (laughs) Encouraged. So... Feel free, to, feel free to do that. Okay? That's point number one. We start with Jesus because He reveals God to us. I mean, that's clear, isn't it? That's what, that's, it's, not, it's not me. It's the Spirit of God. It's, it's what Paul's seeing. It's what we need to see. And then the second piece. We start with Jesus in order to stand against deception and captivity. I've read these verses. Chapter 2, verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And down in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental uh, spiritual forces of this world rather rather than on Christ. So I just want to mention two key areas where we could say so much about fine-sounding arguments and deceptive philosophy, that kind of thing i 'm going to mention two key areas, one of them is worldview. one of them is our worldview so worldview is it's when we talk about we talk we have to talk about worldview because we don 't see it that 's why we talk about worldview we talk about worldview because we 're not thinking about it. Worldview is what you do it's the it 's the milieu that you live in it 's what you think it's it's it's, it's answers that our cultures come up to, uh, with to situations and things that we don't even think about anymore. So imagine two fish swimming side by side. And they're, they're two buddies. They're swimming, they're swimming side by side. And one of them turns to the other one and says, hey, did you know this is water we're swimming in? And the other one, I've never thought about that before should I I think maybe we should I think maybe we should and I think maybe we should Um, I had somebody tell me recently said there's stuff that when I listen online there's stuff that happens and people are laughing and I don't know I never know what quite what it is funny. (laughs) so what is what is the air we breathe that we don't know that we're breathing what is the water just the water that we're swimming in what is the philosophy that depends on human tradition that we're just living in and not thinking about what are the fine sounding arguments that just it's just a part of our culture it's just the way it is you know and it it's subvert it's trying to subvert jesus and faith in jesus what are those things and uh, i'll just throw out one enlightenment philosophy you know we live in the age of reason rationalistic scientific and, and it's not i mean those things have helped in many many ways but there is a there's a system there that's behind that that says that and it's a, it's a view about god and it says that things are getting better and better. And if we don't know it, then it can't be true. Then it's not reality. If we can't touch it and experiment with it and taste it and smell it and those kinds of things, it's a, diff- it's a worldview. It's a way of thinking about existence and life that, that oftentimes, because it's a, it's a closed system that can be known, and therefore things outside of that system aren't real. God. God. You know, and so it fits really nicely in thinking about God from a deistic kind of standpoint. God maybe created, or maybe it's an atheistic uh, viewpoint, but God created and then he's out. He's off on coffee break. And for him to do something in the world is a miracle. It's, it's outside of what's real and what's possible. And it prioritizes that, that way of thinking, prioritizes us in our individualistic thinking, the individualistic self, and as if life completely revolves around desires and wants and rights. And many of our prized beliefs in the West, the Western culture, hang with me for just a second. Many of our prized beliefs, they're kind of, they go all the way back to Greece, and their Greek philosophy is just kind of updated. And even in theology, we've tried to, we've tried to, hold on and part of my burden these last few years is to get us to wake up to what's God, the way God's revealed himself and what's just philosophy stuff that needs to not be in that conversation about the basic identity, the foundational identity and character of God. So it's just it's you. So the the apostolic witness is that God is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God and that he reveals his relation at the center of the center of the center of the universe. At the center of creation is Jesus and his relationship with his father, the love that is shared there from all eternity in the fullness of communion and anointing in the Holy Spirit. That's the center of the center, you know, and, and, and you can't say something deeper about God than how God has, who knows himself, has chosen to reveal Himself to us. You can't go, and yes, but now I've got a deeper philosophical idea about God. Like, there's a God behind the God that Jesus reveals that I actually know more about. And we want to challenge that. We want to wake up to that. And we want to run everything that we think in our thinking and philosophies through the lens of Jesus Christ. Here's my burden. i just like, wow, we can't start and start talking about prayer and not not hit this. We've got to talk about the reality of how God has revealed Himself in the person of Jesus Christ, and what happened. You know, in the in the uh, even some theologians a long time ago, they tried to blend those things: Trinity, yes, Greek philosophy, this unknowable substance, and it left the door open for hanging things on God that don't look anything like Jesus Christ different doctrines and things. And so, you know, as time rolled on and that philosophical thing stayed in there, you know, in the 1200s, theology was called the queen of the sciences and all other disciplines related to theology. But as the Enlightenment came, the the Renaissance and all that, eventually these other philosophies, science and philosophy in particular, rose up and said, that's not real. We can't scientifically verify that. It's not rational in the age of reason. And so these science, education, philosophy, different things said that's not real. And so it's over here. And rather than being in the center of the conversation, I'm just going to say boldly, whatever your discipline is, whatever your educational background is, whatever sphere of society you're working in, it will only get better with Jesus Christ at the center of it. And that's why we say Jesus and His people touching every sphere of society. It's going to make education better. It's going to make sciences better, physics better. I mean, all they're learning, all the physicists and all the scientists, they're just learning that there is more to relational connections than they ever thought possible. Rather than being a closed system, it's an interactive system. And everything's related. So physics and science and medicine. I mean, is medicine better with the love of God, the healing of God flowing out of our hearts and touching people? Pick the pick the discipline. And if it's legal, I'm not saying you can go do something illegal better with Jesus. Just to be clear. But, but all of this, what it does is it leads to a kind of compartmentalization in our lives. If we think it's a closed system, then I can kind of close different parts of my life off and it's not all part of one seamless whole. And so I can come to church and I can have views about God and things and then I can go over here on Facebook and talk about just land blast and Republicans and Democrats and this and that and be cantankerous and crotchety and... It's okay, it sounds weird. It's a good word in this context. But just angry and stuff like that. And it's not okay. We're trying to live everything under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All of our lives, all of our thinking, everything. Jesus is the key to understanding each of these areas and to understanding reality. That's why, and I'm just starting the discussion again. It's a discussion that we have to keep having on the table so that Jesus is there and we wake up and aren't just swimming in the water of culture. And just doing everything everybody else is doing, somebody, amen, right there. So the second piece, what's that? Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, it's working, okay so so second piece, so so two key areas, our worldview, but also our distractions. ooh, distractions. you know the, again, this is I just want to start the conversation. we don't have to finish it right now, I don't have the prescriptive I'm going to figure this all out for you guys. But our distractions are intense. It's sensitive because we all, I brought my phone up here with me, we all use technology. Most of us. I I know some people, they do little sit-outs and sit-ins and throw it down and get away from it for a while. But man, it's a part of life. And consider the deceptive power. So watch out for deceptive philosophy, for fine-sounding arguments. Consider the deceptive power. I'm reading a book right now called Disruptive Witness, Speaking to Truth in a Distracted Age. And I was going to try to have it completely read by today so I'd have the fullness of stuff to unpack for you, but I got, <clears throat> I got distracted. Um, <sighs> the, yes, yeah. So here's the thing. like, literally, It's on my screen right now. I was going to refer to it. it I guess it comes on Sunday mornings. I, I did an update on my phone, and I've got this new thing that comes, and it's called Screen Time. And it tells me how much time I'm looking at my phone on average every single day. And I was like, ah, <laughs> really? I mean, just I'm looking at this thing an hour and a half every day. I shared that in, in, uh, at, at the training school the other night. And they were like, ooh, I'm, I think I'm like three. <laughs> but think about this. When has technology, and what this guy says in the early chapters that I have read is that we live with a non stop flow of distraction. I mean, it's like we're the United States wide in water that's three inches deep because we can't carry on sustained thought. I remember when I first got this, I got a Bible on it and I did have a thought just kind of go through my head about, about, a Bible on the same screen that I get a text thread that's a group thread about the Cowboys or some football game and some joking about golf or something. And I'm, you know, it's, uh, he's the image of the invisible God. Cowboys don't stand a chance tonight. You know, and it just kind of has this flattening effect, you know, and, and just distracted, just constantly just being uh, distracted. Does this tra- make sense to everybody? I was trying to think what, and I just and we just do this all the time right now. Just uh, this is an exaggeration because we don't really walk around like this. But can you imagine? Just I mean, this is the way I'm talking. We're all walking around. You go to the doctor's office, you go to the grocery store, or whatever, and everybody's just like like this, just all the time on their phone. It's more like this, but you know, it's kind of like that. People have wrecks and fall down and walk into stuff and trip and fall and. All those kinds of things. And I was trying to think, what kind of tech... And it's technology, but what technology has been invented in the past where we just take it right into our public lives all the time? Can you think of a technology? There's some technologies that would be embarrassing. They help us personally, but it would be embarrassing. The only one I could think of... I'm sorry. She goes, don't say that. I thought of toenail clippers. I mean, toenail clippers have helped humanity. Humanity. You know but can you can you imagine we're just sitting there, you know, I'm talking with Jack, we're meeting for a meeting and I just and just start start working the technology. That's the best I can come up with. But I but think about it. There's all kinds of stuff we would never just constantly do it all the time without any kind of barriers. The last piece, we start with Jesus in order to be renewed in the knowledge of God. And he says that in Colossians chapter 3. That in all this, you set your minds, you set your hearts on Jesus, you put to death. There's some violence going on here in this battle. There's a battle. You put to death so that you, put, you can put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. And it's not always easy. It's a battle. The picture I've been thinking about is if you want to be a fourth soil person, fourth soil is the fruitful soil that bears a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. You know the hard the hard packed soil doesn't bear harvest. It gets those seeds get snatched. The 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 rocks seeds get snatched. The weeds it grows for a little bit but then it, it gets choked out. But the soil that bears a harvest is soil that's actually been turned over. Stuff is there's brokenness stuff's happened that God's been dealing with us in our lives so that we're it's not just we're doing everything everybody else is doing and bearing a harvest 30 60 100 fold. Does that make sense? And there's some. There's a battle that's going on that we've got to be real and understand and have. And if we're going to get to renewed minds, let me land this. Yesterday, I was the last two days was down in Waco with uh, we were doing the Antioch discipleship's directors, uh, just, uh, training school directors meetings, and uh, one of the things that hit me, and I think it's a realigned thing for me. I think it's a real realigned thing for us is that Jesus, what He's really trying to get us to do is love Him and love others and obey Him. And so discipleship isn't me telling you what to do, but it's encouraging you to ask what is Jesus asking you to do? What's Jesus asking you to do so that you can obey what Jesus is telling you to do? And that's how we can help each other in discipleship. Love and obey. It's it's not really super complicated love and obey kim and i have been there's some things there's some tweaking that's needed to go on just some of our schedule and lives and so we literally got together we had two-hour conversation had to pray about stuff and then eventually wrote some things down and signed it and you'd say well that's really ser- that sounds kind of serious well it, it needs to be kind of serious so we'll actually do it and not just stay in in habit mode all the time again A rocket uses like 90% of its fuel getting the first 10% of the journey, right? Getting out of the the gravity of what we've been doing is going to require something different. But when other people around us start doing it, man, it fires us up, doesn't it? I was at a prayer meeting yesterday morning down there at 6 a.m., and this guy stands up and he goes, I got a word. I just had this picture of us. It's like the Tour de France. When somebody, they're riding in that pack, you know, they're in the Pyrenees or whatever, and they're riding, 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 and somebody, Whoops out and they, they start making a move. But they don't let that guy make the move by himself. He whoops out, he makes the move, and then other people whoop out. You know, and everybody's doing it together. And it's like a godly good thing that we don't just go by ourselves, but when somebody makes a move, says, Man, let's press into Jesus together, other people go, Let's do it. In the right spirit. Don Finto would tell me all the time, I'm 28 years old, he'd tell me, Jamie. You're on fire for God. And I don't. I'm not going to let you out radical me for God. I'm not going to let you out radical. And I remember that. And now I like somebody want to go for it. I want to. I want to be there with you. I don't want you to out radical me for God in the right spirit of that. Man, let's go. Let's do it. Y'all stand up. Amen. Worship team, come on. We'll take a couple minutes. I know we're getting close to the end here. But it's so important that we respond to God just and say, Jesus, we want You. We want to see the God that You've revealed. The God that You love. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship. Lord, would You open our eyes. Lord, would You give us a heart, Lord, to wake up to deceptive philosophy, to things that are hindering us and choking us Lord, things that are just hindering us even from having our soil renewed and having our minds renewed and our hearts, where there's pruning that needs to happen, Lord, as we enter 2019, we're just saying, yes, Lord, we want you, we need you, we've got to have you. And I just, I want to speak to just anybody here that just, if there's a calibration in your life that you're sensing, hey, I wanna, I want 2019 to be a different kind of year for me walking with God, then come and get prayer. If the front fills up, just we'll, we'll press in here for a minute. Pray with somebody that you came with. But man, don't, I mean, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He's so He's just welcoming you with open arms. He loves you and He reveals what God is really, really like. So come. Let's get prayer. Whatever your need is, go for it. Be bold. We've just got a little bit of time. So, so be quick. Be urgent. Be urgent about pressing into God. Amen. We need You, Lord. Thank You, God. Thank You, Lord.